Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, Renee. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for coming on the Capita Show with Lindsay Hadley, and I'm so thrilled to get to know you, Dr. Dua, I should say, um, and so thrilled to connect with you and hear all about you. Um, you came so highly recommended as someone that our listeners might want to hear all about, and um, thanks again for being here. Well, thanks so much for including me, and please call me Renee. Okay, thank you, Dr. Dua. <laughs> we'll go by Renee. Thanks again. That's so cool. I'd love to hear a little bit, your maybe some of your story, if you don't mind, like share with us, um, you know, so for context, Capita, which is the sponsor of our show, is a financial um, advisory wealth management firm. And we have a lot of our listeners are high net worth people, a lot of high achievers and high capacity and um, people that I think would love to hear a little bit about your particular work um, in helping patients address chronic diseases and a little bit of your work your work background, because it's funny, we talk about the wellness of, you know, our finances, but there's also like our wellness of our mental and physical and spiritual and emotional health as well. So I'm excited for them to hear about that. There is no wealth without being healthy. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a physician. I'm actually a kidney doctor. I've been in practice. I started my own practice about 20 years ago. And about uh, 15 years ago, I met my husband and he would watch how hard I would work and how dedicated I was to my patients. And he said, do you know, you could help thousands more people if you actually started a company that dealt with chronic disease. And he and I together, as we were building our family, had some really awful experiences. Um, you know, speaking as a doctor, I, I thought these are my people, they're gonna take care of me, and that just wasn't the case. Um, and one night coming home with one of our sons from the emergency room, he was an infant, I said to Nick, and I was very, very busy uh, practicing medicine at the time, I said, you know, I recognize that I'm not able to be a great doctor, a great mother, a great wife, something's got to give, maybe this is the time for me to consider doing something with you and starting a different kind of business where I can control my hours a little bit. Uh, and I said, do you know, I want you to build me an app and I want you to become my assistant and I want you to drive me around town and I want to see patients in their homes, in our community, right? Kind of at the time like Uber was doing, Uber turns on and off for a driver and can work when they have time. Um, and so he did that. He built me an app. We named it Heal. It was a play on the term that we would come to you, right? And, and take care of you. And it was a very sophisticated app, even in its first iterations. 
And we took that company, even though hilariously, I thought I was really busy back then, right? Trying to practice medicine, being a doctor. We, we, <laughs> and a mom. Yeah, being a mom and, and a mom. Yeah, I apologize. And uh, we took that app and we got funding for it. And within three weeks, uh, we had a million and a half dollars in funding for it and started seeing patients in their home. Uh, we expanded that company to 13 states, 300,000 house calls, $200 million in venture capital, uh, that company is likely to be acquired by Humana, which is a, an insurance plan, uh, very shortly here. Um, and so that was a wild ride. I mean, I, I did, in, in fact, get to help thousands of people, uh, which was, you know, and is a dream for me. So uh, in the last year or two, we stepped away from Heal as, you know, they've they've been in this acquisition phase and we uh, started a new company, uh, again, in the chronic care space helping people carry out their tasks. Nick named the company Renee specifically because that's what I am. I take care of my children. I take care of my parents. They say, hey, Renee, you know, I need something. Make me an appointment or make sure I'm taking the right medicines. And so it's an AI-based, uh, generative AI-based health assistant. So we are using uh, artificial intelligence to carry out tasks like schedule appointments and reminders and when your refills are coming up, um, and so that's that's another very exciting way to help people get accessible care using software. Incredible. And so was it your husband that had that acumen in tech? And you were the chief medical officer, is that right? Or did that's you guys right. hire yeah. an entire tech that's team? That's right. My husband's an engineer by training and he's a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So the credit for business development and fundraising and honestly giving me the guts to leave a very, very successful medical practice full-time. I still practice, mm. but to, to have the guts to leave a practice that I, I just love so much, I'll never leave it completely, that was hard <laughs> for me. And he, he gets the credit mm. for giving me you know the confidence to do it. Um, but the idea that I dragged Nick out of real, per se, software tech and put him in healthcare, I'll take responsibility for good or bad. Um, you know, it's it's not the greatest time in health tech, uh, you know, through the pandemic, right? Billions yes. of dollars funded uh, health tech companies that are essentially doing nothing and, you know, solving no Ugh. real problems, which is such a waste yes. of time and money and frankly gives, you know, VCs a lack of confidence in us who really want to do the right thing. Uh, yes. So, you know, I'll, I'll take the credit moving Nick into the clinical space, but uh, he he deserves the credit for, for giving me the, the chops in tech. And I'll tell you as a doctor, the, the number of things I can do, it's pretty hilarious, right? Writing employee manuals and running QuickBooks. And, you know, I'm sure you read that Silicon Valley Bank collapsed over the weekend. Yes. You worked with SVB, right? The preparedness wow. to figure out how to manage a bank run you know, handled, right? In 45 seconds, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so those kinds of things, I, I am a doctor, but I have a lot of very credentialing contracting for physicians, hiring, firing, recruiting, retention, you know, training. I have a lot of skills that came out of starting these companies that, you know, I oh, will yes. a hold dear to my, uh, to my heart. And again, that's thanks to Nick and, and taking a chance on me. 
Wow. I mean, yeah, there's so many hats you have to wear from project management and, and working out bugs in the tech side to scaling a business. I mean, so, um, so excited. Now you're in an acquisition phase. That's an entirely different uh, skill set to learn how to exit and exit well. Um, that's exciting. So, w- in this potential acquisition, will you kind of have the golden handcuffs where you're still involved, or will you completely be liquidated and be able to move your attention to Renee? We were very careful to get out of a situation like that, principally because the company changed in some ways directions that. I mean, and it's great for the company, but we wanted to have more of a hands-on founder role, right? Once you have a strategic investor like Humana, they they do what's called give you a bear hug, you know? And that bear is maybe, you know, from the Revenant, right? And not Teddy, you know? So it's the Revenant. You know, it's just too much, <laughs> right? Like, very graphic, you know, yeah. It becomes like, you know, Humana needs to do what Humana needs to do, and we understand but we also want to be founders. We want to take ownership. We want to take responsibility. And for us, mm-hmm. you know, we were careful to put ourselves in a position where we could uh, leave in, you know, on good terms in peace, but start something new that, of course, wasn't per se competitive, but in the space of actually directly helping people get care. Wow. And I, this is kind of a, a shift in focus, but a question more around you know, gender roles and, and the landscape of your professional purview, but like there are already less female doctors, uh, as medical professionals, you see more of them in the, in the nurse and the PA and the, you know, um, maybe further down in the, in the supportive roles in the medical career, uh, landscape, but it, you know, it's so, but there's even less women in tech entrepreneurship and C-suite executives and founders in tech, especially tech and tech medical. Uh, I'd love to know what your experience was in often probably, I'm assuming being the only woman in the room. I mean, yeah. have you had, right. yeah, I'd love to hear any thoughts about that. Cause yeah, we right. work, we work a lot. We just got back this last week with about 16 different women that we took as a part of the Capita um, ecosystem. We took a bunch of women to celebrate international women's day. Right. And it's amazing how much women get done. It's incredible, the leadership in different industries, but there's still, including financial, in the financial industries, there's, there's certain places where there's just such a massive disparity. And this is one of them. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. The good news is for the first time in history, medical schools are equal men and women in terms of acceptance, right? So it's actually, I think, cool. 51% for, for medical schools. Wow. When I finished medical school, it was not not that way. And I'm a kidney doctor, and I can tell you, you know, there was never a line at conferences for the bathroom for me, right? It was all <laughs> you know. So there was there were a couple pluses, um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you know that women are very poorly represented in tech, and again, that that quality of being both clinical and uh, uh, as well technical. Um, it's, there are, there are very few of us. There are very few of us. And I can't tell you it's been easy or great, right? The number of times I walked in and heard really honestly ridiculous things. The very first VC meeting I ever had, uh, the, the VC said, we don't invest in married couples, right? You'll choose your marriage over the company. And I was like, you know, and I, I walked out of that meeting. It was here in Santa Monica. And I walked out of that meeting and I was like, Seriously, this is, I mean, I thought I came from that community. You come from that community too, right? I thought these people were 
tech founders, right? They're capable of changing yeah. the world. This is how they think, you know? Um, and the number of yeah. times I've walked into a room and people have gone up to Nick to say, it's so great to meet you, Dr. Dua, right? And it's like, you know, you're a tech yeah. founder. You don't know how to use the internet, right? Like, do a little research, you know? Look us up. My picture's yeah. there, right? So, I mean, there are yeah. some, some totally silly, absurd stories. And I think very, very slowly it is changing, right? Again, it's a shame when a female founder does something foolish, right? When Theranos was collapsing. Yes. It was hard yeah, on I was me, just thinking of Theranos. Right? It was yeah. hard on me. People were, one BC asked me, well, how do I know you're not the next, you know, Theranos? And I was like, really? That's, you know, that's what you heard after 40 minutes of a conversation and me pitching, right? So I think it's not, I don't think it's great. And I think certainly when us founders do foolish things, especially if we're women, we take more of the brunt of it, right? And I'm not, I'm not going to tell you every company is founded on, you know, ethics and principles and morals. You and I both read the news. It's not the case. Um, but we, we get hit harder, which is sad and a shame because to your point, women, you know, in fact, when women practice medicine, your outcomes as a patient are better, right? Women are capable of multitasking more because we have more to do. When these women go on to become doctors, they're not just doctors. They're taking care of families and running the house and paying the bills. They're the chief medical officer of the house too, right? While their husbands are, you know, at, at the office, right? So I, I think um, it, there are some really wonderful things that will eventually happen, though I don't think it's going to happen easily, certainly in my career as a as a founder. Um, I just think that, especially in a market like the one we're in right now, people retract to what they are comfortable with, which is their golf buddies. And those conversations that happen, you know, in the office setting, it's very hard for women to kind of break into the, those those environments, right? They have things to do, take care of their kids, whatever. So I think I think that that will remain to be seen, right? I'd love to be more optimistic, but it's it's an unusual time. Well, that's such great feedback to I think that'll normalize for any of like our female listeners as they're listening to your experience to to normalize that. I think you're you've really been pioneering in your industry in many ways prior to this. You were, from what I understand, one of the first to implement electronic yes. uh, software services as a clinical practitioner. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? That's pretty cool. I, I guess it, it ages me too, right? I am a part of <laughs> when EMRs, electronic medical record systems, were implemented in medical practices. And when we first learned that this was something that we were going to be required to do, we had to achieve what's called meaningful use of that EMR. And if you didn't, if you did uh, meaningfully use the EMR, you got paid back for it, which was thousands of dollars. And so for a medical practice to front, you know, $25,000, $30,000 on implementing an EMR, it's hard. And so I did, I was the first doctor in the San Fernando Valley, which is a huge neighborhood, actually, a huge community. Um, I was the first doctor that achieved meaningful use on the implementation of the EMR in our practice. And I did get the money back for having done it. Um, but it was, it, and that's fabulous. And it was an enormous undertaking. We were all paper. So we had to scan all those notes into a computer system and then, 
you know, take brand new histories and physicals and record implementation. It was wild, you know. And I think about something like that where your information should theoretically now be available on your your Apple Watch or on your smartphone. It's not completely, but it's a really, you know, it's a it's a great thing to see that your information is now a little more accessible to you, right? That's the outcome of That's that. That's incredible. That's amazing. And so when you how did that kind of serve you, that mindset with Heal? I guess when you said you're, you give credit to your husband for helping you push past your boundaries and fears and insecurities about not knowing and open your horizons. But I'm sure that there was something in you that already had this outlier potential that you're like, hey, I'm going to maybe was it is it your drive to be to create the best service? Is it yeah, personal achievement? You know, what was it that because it really is that's a massive shift to go from running a clinical practice. It's already a lot of uh, we find a lot of our clients at Capita are actually medical professionals and it's already so much to take in, um, you know, the emotional load of dealing with chronically ill patients and their families and the stress of all the ongoing education that a medical professional has to have, um, especially in the last few years with the pandemic, the way that our incredibly, unfortunately, divisive narrative in our country put medical professionals on their back feet when they were literally the heroes at the front line. It was so, that was so traumatic for a lot of medical professionals. And I'm just sitting here thinking as you were navigating all that, you know, was there skills from your earlier practice that you felt like, wow, it really applies in, in business. And is there anything that where you see analogous of like the way you treat customers, you know, at a bedside manner to how you treat them digitally? Like, did you find any um, learning? I mean, there are hundreds of little things, right? Because when I finished fellowship, I interviewed for jobs and I realized from that experience that I couldn't easily work for someone else, right? I wanted the flexibility of working for myself and doing things my way. And, you know, to give you a small example, I am very environmentally conscientious, right? I don't like wasting paper. I don't like wasting plastic. It's, it's almost becoming a little obsessive. But when I see that I can do things electronically, I try, right? And so the implementation of an EMR was really born out of why are we using so much space for all this paper? And frankly, these patients don't have any privacy this way. Anybody can walk in, see their chart, you know, see what's what's happening, open their chart, take a look, right? It's weird to me. So the implementation of an EMR was born out of, I didn't want to waste paper, I didn't want to waste space. I didn't want to pay rent on the space I was wasting. I'm very good at typing, right? And I can protect someone's privacy and keep their information in a safe place that I can review and add to, and then hopefully share with them, right? So I think there are, there are and there are many examples of that. I think, and I, I should also credit the galactic number of mistakes I made trying to build that private practice, <laughs> you know? I, I back in those days, there was uh, the yellow pages, right? The giant book with everybody's phone number, yes. right? And I didn't understand yes. that many people call themselves the yellow pages. So I had signed up for like five yellow pages and it wound up being like $5,000 in subscriptions to yellow pages. Some of, some of which were in neighborhoods that like, I didn't need to be advertising my phone number, right? And I couldn't get out of that, those $5,000 in bills. I had to pay them. You know, and I remember like this was a very important lesson in when you're signing up for something, read more carefully. What are you what are you signing up for? Right. What are you putting mm -hmm. your name to? And 
you know, there, and there are hundreds of examples like this, right, of, of me doing foolish things or me doing semi-intelligent things where when I did officially go part-time in my medical practice and start working at Heal, I was able, hopefully, I think, even to teach my employees, like, this would be a more savvy way or this would be a more cost-effective way or this would be a more intelligent way of doing something and here's the experience i had that that can maybe help us right so so many wow. many funny stories like that i love your humility in talking about the mistakes uh you know you i mean you're so impressive dr jua and i think like the fact that people you know i mean uh just could look at you and your success it's already impressive enough to be a doctor and be a leading professional in your in your um sector but also then on top of it to build a very successful tech platform. And now you're in your second. I'd love to know more about, because Heal, is it something that is accessible to the general public? Is it a B2C or is it through insurance providers? Like how how do people access the utility of it? Maybe tell us more about that app if our listeners can be driven there to use, use the value there. Yeah, so Heal used to be direct to consumer and now it's through insurance and it's specifically through Humana. So if you have Humana and you're living in the states in which Humana wants to operate Heal, for example, Louisiana or North Carolina or South Carolina, Georgia, then you would be able to access Heal. When we started Heal, it was a very cheap cash pay price, $99. And then we did get a network with major insurances, every single one in every state in which we operated. So you could you know, use your insurance, which it, it basically was the cost of your copay to have us come to your house and deliver a house call, which was very cool back then. Yeah. That's incredible. So to get this, it, it's basically on call, like an on call doctor in a sense. Am I understand that? Or did you have to schedule um, through the Apple just uh, well in advance the way you would any clinical use? Right. You can use the app for... And this has changed, right? Now that Humana has taken over, it's scheduled. They're, they're more health risk assessment focused and less primary care focused. But when I was there, you could schedule on demand. You could schedule in advance. You could schedule telemedicine, right? Um, and, you know, keep in mind that we had done telemedicine and remote monitoring way before a pandemic, Right. So it was really revolutionary in the way we were building primary care in the home for all ages. My my very big focus was to be able to take care of children. Right. Because I, I too, came home from that ER thinking, like, why did I have to go to an ER? I should have been able to get a physician to see my son on a Friday night at five o'clock in, in her office. Why did I go to the ER? Right. So I think. Uh, for us, it was very much primary care in the home eight or nine years ago, ahead of a pandemic. And it obviously has changed a lot, you know, now that Humana has, has really taken over its operations. But that doesn't mean that seniors can't use it for more convenient and accessible care in some of these communities where there's a huge doctor shortage, uh, for example, right, Louisiana or, or even uh, South Carolina. It, there's a, it's very difficult to find doctors who are skilled enough to do uh, primary care in chronically ill people. And so that that's also a focus. And was there digital, like, could people actually do remote through Zoom or through video conferencing? Yeah. They could actually see the doctor? Because yeah. I know that, that that's been a big thing. Um, 
for access and, and emergency, you know, like to not also not expose a, a greater risk if there's right. an infectious disease involved. That's pretty transformative. Yeah. Did you guys provide that as yes. well? I mean, we had one touch telemedicine, which we built right ahead of time. When the pandemic hit, we just completely went remote, you know, so we didn't let our patients down. The, the idea was wow. when we first got into their homes, uh, we would set them up with remote monitoring devices as well as the one-touch telemedicine through the app. We would be almost like a geek squad who would teach them how to use these different features of the Heal app. And then, you know, we would use them so that we wouldn't need to go to yeah. their house all the time. A great example is a child to you know for whom we did a physical and gave vaccines to a month ago you know, then mom says, well, you know, baby has a rash. And so we were able to look at that rash telemedically rather than have to go back to the house for something like that. And then even write a note and get mom access to that note because Lord knows she may not have childcare Monday morning and has to go to work. So she can have that note, get baby to school or daycare, and she can, you know, head off on her day. That was, it was very important to me Again, because I, you know, the entire time I was running Heal, I was making or feeding children, right? I had all my kids during that period. And it was very important to me that women were able to use software like Heal to Mm -hmm. have peace of mind and also have convenience to continue their own lives, right? They, They should have been able to say, I want to take care of Junior. I want to make sure his rash is, you know not a big deal, but I also need to see the doctor and I can't bring three kids, right? So let me yes. also book a heel visit so that I get the care I need. I get my labs drawn, you know, that box is checked for my health and wellness and wow. my three yeah. children were next door, you know, in the playroom, right? They were, they were fine and I got taken care of. So I was very much thinking about heel from that perspective. Um, and, and frankly, I was thinking, I take care of my parents. I want to be able to send a heel doctor to see my parents, right? Again, women, yeah. the medical officer of the house, being able to manage, you know, in this quote, sandwich generation that we're a part of, right? Being able to manage our kids and our parents successfully with software. That, that's been, you know, very much what drives me um, in, in some of these technical decisions. Gosh, you make a great point about women in the household being the like lead caregiver for yeah. physical needs and chronic illnesses and medical care, whether it's aging parents or hospice, if palliative care is usually falls right. most heavily on the wife or the woman or the mother, um, all that, even when they were working women, which we have, you know, such a, such a tremendous amount of uh, need to support women at this time. Yeah. And I know you've been really outspoken about about this issue. How did all of this, I mean, it's so exciting and huge, huge congratulations on the success. Oh, I feel you. it's every entrepreneur's dream. Yes, um, how, how do you feel now that it's exclusively through Humana, which, which is a great service they're providing? How did that parlay you into the new company, Renee, right? Yeah. Is that, you said that's yeah. the new name yeah. of the company yeah. and it's AI. Maybe you can tell us more about that too. And we understand the scope of that utility. That's so Certainly. exciting. Yeah. And so Renee is a personal health assistant, right? And, and, What we're focused on is you live with a partner, your partner has health conditions or you have health conditions and you want to share information with each other, or you live with your children or your parents and you want to keep up on what's going on with them as a caregiver. And they also would like to share with you that, 
you know, Lindsay, I take blood pressure medication and I want you to see that I'm taking my medicines and my vitals look great, right? So Renee kind of works as a health assistant to send those reminders, share that information, get information to the doctor, right? So that, you know, you're not missing out on the doctor knowing that, hey, my mom is taking these medicines, but her blood pressure is in the 180s. So does she need more medicine? Does she have the wrong medicines, right? Um, being very proactive in a holistic uh, management of, of your care and your tasks. Imagine that a person with two medical conditions might see a doctor four times a year. There are thousands of hours in between those four visits where things have to get done. Medicines have to be taken, labs have to be done, medicines have to be picked up, vitals have to be checked, right? You need to know what's going on, data needs to be shared. Um, all of that is a full-time job, frankly, especially for a caregiver, right? So Renee, as an assistant, proactively tells you what needs to be done, makes sure it gets done, makes it available for sharing, and then reminds you for the next things. When you are a 50-year-old with two medical conditions, let's say one of those medical conditions is obesity, right? You need to be checked. Your cholesterol needs to be checked. You need to find out if you're diabetic. There are medications you can take for obesity now, right? We should get you on those. So Renee is very proactive about figuring out what you need using that generative AI and how to keep you on a pathway to health, despite the fact that you're not constantly with your doctor. That is so exciting. Just, to, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking of logistics of the, the, the refills on the medication. Like, you know, often if, if we're do if we have long-term medication in our family, it'll be like, you know, it's when we get down to the last three pills, oh, we got to remember. And then we forget we, if we're supposed to be taking them in the evening and we go to bed, then the next day it's the next, you know, that, that's like a, an actually really common occurrence. Or I'm thinking, like you said, to schedule, it's time for me to go in and get my labs or my cholesterol checked. And um, sometimes the clinic, the clinical um, practitioners will actually send you reminders, but usually not. It's like amazing how much it's just demand signals from the patient. And so to have something like that, track that, it just seems so uh, intuitive or obvious. My mentor used to call it dumb smart. He would talk about like these ingenious, you know, revolutionary ideas that are just like common sense that aren't common practice. So it's really cool that you've created something like that. Is this going to be a B2C um, situation as well, or are you going to go through also an insurance provider? Yeah, we'll start B2C. Um, and, and the reason for that is it's, it's hard to transform care immediately in a B2B setting, right? Um, and there's a lot to transform in healthcare, right? When you mm. are working with an insurance provider or even a doctor's office, especially if that doctor is employed by an insurance provider, the incentives are, are all off, right? And one of, the, um, yes. one of the things that I'm very, very focused on is how do I help a patient directly? How do I hold hands with a patient and say, look, I'm coming to you from my heart and I'm telling you, you need these things. Not because I can make more money, not because I can check a box, yes. right? Not because in some yes. way I can get information to use against you, but because I'm a doctor I want to do the right thing and I want to take care of you, right? Yes. It, it is really, uh, I can tell you, it is incredibly challenging in health tech, pathetically, to do this the right way, right? 
And so transforming healthcare in America to some extent requires a groundswell where you go directly to patients, directly to people like mm. you and your mm-hmm. husband and your parents and, and you know, uh, your friends. Mm-hmm. And you say, I want to help you. Here's how I can help. And then you start making demands of your own health insurance to say, hey, like I'm using this software and this software is telling me I need some extra things. And, you know, my doctor hasn't told me yeah. my health insurance hasn't helped me schedule this. Why? Right. I need these things. It's important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To give you an example, at the age of 45, you should have a colonoscopy, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting reminders or help scheduling. In fact, one major insurance company now requires that you do a prior auth to get a colonoscopy, which, you know, colon cancer in America is on the rise, right? It will beat out oh, wow. all other cancers soon in our lifetimes. Oh, right? Oh, wow. And why would I do a prior authorization for what is a necessary test? It's foolish, right? So yeah, these kinds of blocks and blockades, they, they change when you create a groundswell with, with patients and humans. And I think in every other industry, you've seen that groundswell with Uber and Lyft and Netflix and Instacart, right? Every other industry has figured out how to make things convenient and right for you. What's good for you? Healthcare, you just shut up and take it. And that bugs me, right? It bugs me. Mm-hmm. You are asking mm-hmm. what compels me to do things. That's a big one, right? It drives me mm. nuts, you know? So I, I think those are, are things that I'm thinking about in this new company. Oh, that's so inspiring. You know, like I said earlier, there, there was such a divisive energy in our country around the pandemic. And without getting any political, you know, conversation where we dissect that, because it's probably something most people are exhausted by and people are pretty firm in their ideas about everything. I personally believe that most people just come from a genuinely, like they're doing the best they can and to knowing personally so many medical professionals, I have family members who are doctors. I have, you know, extended family that are medical professionals. They're there because they care about human beings. They chose a career and profession, but ultimately they chose it because of their desire to help. Most people have the best intentions. We're doing the best that we can. And the thing that, that just struck, struck my brain when you were talking was the stunning ability to have data analytics around when you have a personal assistant understanding, um, I know that uh, I've heard, I can't remember where I first heard this, but that people often, um, too, I think it was actually Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. you've mentioned this, where he says that people will often care for their animals better than themselves. Like mm-hmm. if, a, if a doctor prescribes protocol around some medical ailment, like they were less likely to follow it than if they were given a prescription yeah. for their pet, you know, which is just mind blowing. But I think there's a stewardship that maybe whatever it is, we don't feel worthy. Maybe it's, uh, and it, maybe it's a combination of that, or maybe it's, um, we think we're, there's an invinci- invincible, you know, paradigm. I don't know what it is, but people yeah. tend to not care expensive. for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Care and, expensive. Yeah. And I think like the, the idea that there's a, that there would be data that can actually track the behavior, uh, you know, I was a behavioral science major in sociology and we look, you know, when you look at how people behave, it's not always intuitive. It's like, wow, that's the opposite of what we would think. Or, um, you know, and I think that's really going to be helpful, but 
Um, I think that's so inspiring. So you love the clinical practice and what part of it do you love the most? Is it the actual interaction with patients or is it the stimulation of problem solving that's kind of so personal? So, so a, a kidney doctor, kidney medicine to me is fascinating, right? I, it's the reason, you know, it, it's very mathematical and very uh, chemical and I, I loved it. I fell in love, you know, right away. Um, but I work with, and I've dedicated my career to underserved people, right? I, when I go and I see patients, I do not speak English that entire day, right? My, my patients are principally minorities. And um, I, I see it working when I'm able to inspire them to eat better or take their medication or take an interest in their health, I see them getting better. And to me, uh, again, that hand-to-hand combat of taking care of people is, it, it is just, you know, it, it fills my cup, as they say, right? It's, it's almost as wonderful to me as, as being a mother, you know? And so I think it is one of these things where I have adamantly said I will never stop doing because I don't believe I can build software unless I actually help people in this way. I cannot build useful software. And second of all, I don't want to lose the skill of being able to have humanity, right? Unfortunately, I think being a human, having a sense of humanity, it is a skill now, which I'm not sure what to say about that, right? But I don't want to lose that that sense of compassion and feeling for other humans. It's a really important part to me of, of... what I'm proud of about myself. Right. So for that reason, I won't, I won't let it go. (laughs) Well, it's so your passion is so infectious. So how how can we access Renee? Is it something we go download the app? Is it go to a website? How can we push our listeners to, to engage with your product? We're about to launch here in the next two or three weeks. So as soon as we launch, I'll let you know, and I'd Exciting. love to share with your listeners, and I'd wow. love to use it. It will be free, right? It will be totally fabulous. Free. I'm going to totally there, use it. Yeah, there would be no reason not to use it because I think it really will give you an experience that's significantly different, better, and more in- inclusive to you and your family's needs. Um, so I'll I'll make sure to keep you in the loop. Amazing. And Renee, do you, so do you speak? Um, Spanish? Or are you bilingual? You mentioned not speaking English. Yeah, no, no I, such I, a skill. Yeah, yeah. What a blessing that is, right? What a blessing. So, read, write, and so speak. cool. Very important. Yeah. Fabulous. And you've got three children. Yes. You, you is that right? Yes. Well, what ages are your children? So they're nine, seven, and four. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you're kind of similar faces to me. I have like a 15, 13, and then a six year old. Wow! So we're in the thick of it, right? Yeah. Yes. But when you start getting out of potty training and you and sleep training and the thing and they can you know, brush their own teeth, it is like a new world. Yes. Uh, yes. So that's really exciting, and this 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 will be such a massive uh, value proposition, I think, to have this exit. I'm so excited for you. I am um, I'm very excited too. That's incredible. You know, it's interesting. I'd love your thoughts on this. We just have like a, a, a last little bit here. I think um, I'm sitting here thinking about so many medical professionals when they do finally sell their doctors, particularly when they sell their medical practice. Um, they've spent so much time, unlike you in the business world, using like, you know, learning all those other skills you mentioned, being clinical. Have, what have you found has been a value? Because we, uh, we actually have 
focus very heavily in the Intermountain West where Capita is located yeah. with IHC. We've created an incredible partnership with Intermountain Healthcare and have almost a monopoly on, on the value of, you know, of referrals to, to service these medical professionals. And so many of them are so grateful. And w- what our founder, Mike Littledike always says is he was like, you know, I was so thrilled to help the nurse yes. and, you know, the PA who just like, this is, they, they, they spent so much energy and time in healthcare. And they're like, I need someone to quarterback my financial investments and my state and my tax planning and all of these things. Cause we're a full service uh, medical or sorry, full service financial right. advisory firm. Do you, did you find um, many resources and access to help with your financial success and your up and coming exit? Have you found there's much focus um, and cross conversation there? What's kind of been your experience around financial advising? Because I'm in Los Angeles and there's a, a very active tech community here. Yes, I have, I've had many people approach me and, and offer to help. But I will say that, especially when you become a doctor, there is zero training on how to manage your finances, how to manage your, uh, um, I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, not paying your credit card off and what that does or getting ripped off leasing a car and how to manage that, right? how to run a business. We do not learn. We do not learn. We have no clue. And it's why so many doctors are graduating and going straight to work for somebody else because they don't want to figure it out either. Right. Um, or, or, and maybe they can't afford to figure it out. We walk out of school with hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans. There is no way we can get another small business loan. Right. We in good conscience uh, to start a new business. And so I would say, you know, to your colleagues and, and, you know, listeners that are in the medical space, it's services like yours that are really critical to help people build context on what, what kind of risk they can take and how much guts they should have. Um, I come from a lot of privilege, too. I, I don't want that to be understated, right? I'm telling you, I have a partner. I have a husband. I had a career. I have parents. I have childcare, right? I have a lot of privilege that gives me and affords me the opportunity to take some risks. Not everybody is in my position. And so having an ear or a a service like even what you're doing here, right? That allows people to access you and listen and learn and find ways to get a hold of someone like you or someone like me, I think gets them on a path where they can start having those conversations and begin learning. But I I do think to your point, most medical professionals walk out completely clueless and have a lot of debt and have a lot of responsibility. And so I think the services that you provide are, you know, they're critical, right? Wow. Well, thank you for that. Dr. Dua, you are so inspiring. And even just your humility in recognizing the privilege, you know, it's funny because having traveled extensively around the world, I'm always blown away by my own audacity to forget just even the very, you know, air in my lungs. I mean, you deal with this where people are dealing with chronic illnesses that completely debilitate them to do basic functional things that we take for granted as human beings. And as I've seen people living in abject poverty, I'm like, the fact that I can just eat when I'm hungry, the fact that I have a safe place to sleep, I'm not in forced migration mode with my family, you know, evading 
some kind of terrible natural disaster. Like just, mm-hmm. we're so, there's so much to be thankful for. And you just exude that with your, with your inspiring story. So thank you for coming on and oh, for being pleasure. such an inspiration to women and for being such a champion of those, um, maybe who need a hand, a hand, a hand up and need more for help sure. and support. I'm so excited to be a customer and you oh, well, actually you use your app. I can't wait for that. So thank you for all you're doing. What an inspiration. We'd love to have you involved more uh, in Capita. We do a lot of women's events. It'd be so fun for some of these women to meet you. I think awesome. they'd be really inspired. Awesome. Yeah, let me know. Thank you so much for including me. Thank you, Renee. Do you need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.